Hello, dudes, dudettes, duders, and everything in between. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's go back a little bit. I want to I wanna do a different version. We're, we're switching it up. We're, we're improving this opening. Here we go again. Beep, take two. Hello, dudes, dudettes, duders, and everyone in between. Welcome to the Hollywood Fishbowl. I am your host, Jesse Kester. I want to give a quick, quick thank you to everyone who tuned in for our series on uh, indie musicians. Of course, that will not be the end of the conversation. We will be having uh, independent musicians come on every now and then. I want to thank everybody who listened to the Jody Clark episode. Welcome to the party. Uh, if that was your first episode, uh, welcome back for your second one. And if this is your first episode, then doubly, we're going to, if this is your first, if this is your second episode, we're going to welcome you. If this is your first episode, we're going to double that and say, welcome, welcome. Uh, any, okay, enough of that baloney. Thank you for listening to the previous series. And uh, today we are launching a new mini series. This mini series is on uh, faith based film, uh, a topic of, 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 quite a bit of curiosity on my part don't know don't know enough don't know much and i'm hoping to cure myself of that ignorance a little bit over the next four episodes and we're, we're off to a, a, a raw looking start i think you're going to enjoy this one our guest today is jennifer dornbush uh she she is i don't want to say new to the game but she's new to the faith-based film game and we, we get into all that. that. That's not to say that she's green in the world of writing. I guess this is an overlap with, with storytelling. There's a bit of overlap with storytelling. We might, we might double file this one in the category section. Um, anyway, uh, Jennifer Dornbush, there's really nothing I could say that could set this up better than she executes it herself. So all I will say is uh, swing on by those iTunes and give us those five-star reviews so that we can keep... Keep growing this thing. We're really proud of the audience that we've gotten together so far, and the, the feedback from the audience has has been very positive. So don't don't be shy. Those those metrics help a lot, and sharing it with your friends would help too. It, um, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and assume you have at least some friends. I, I think it's a pretty pretty savvy social crowd that we might be speaking to. Um, and if not, yo, just send me an email. I'm, I'm happy to chat with you. If you feel a little bit lonely, don't, 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 don't think you, you might feel lonely, but the fact is you're not alone. So just reach out if you want. Uh, looking forward to ending this intro and giving you Jennifer Dornbush. Drops. Morpheus is fighting Neo. Morpheus is fighting Neo. More well, welcome to the Hollywood Fishbowl. That was the first person who did not do it in synchronization. Huh? Well, we're supposed to do it together. Well, but uh, that's no, no, no. We were not in this instance. We were absolutely supposed to do it separately. And I thank you for for catching up on that cue, for picking up on it before it happened. Uh, music is burning down. I'm Jesse, host of the show, and today I'm joined by Jennifer Dornbush. Jennifer, welcome to the program. And and Morpheus is done fighting Neo. How are you? I am very well. Oh, granted, I do have a sore throat, so I. First of all, lie. Yeah. <laughs> How are you really? I are you okay? Am fabulous. Other than my sore throat. Then I will say I'm going to extend a, an olive branch right away. Thank you so much for coming on at the at the end of you having the ability to speak. If this is the last thing you <laughs> say in your life, this may it's be the an last honor. Thing I say to know that you gave it to us. <laughs> My um, pleasure. First thing we like to do when we kick off, I've 
I've got, uh, we, do, we do five and five. So you've, I'm going to give you five questions. Hmm. Uh, each one you have one minute to answer, and then we move on to the next one. What we like to do is kind of burn through the, you know, the, the simple ones as quickly as possible and not get too sidetracked. You ready? This is like a game show. Let's go. Almost, yeah, yeah, a lot like it. Yeah. Here we go. Uh, question <clears throat> number one. Survey says. Where did you grow up and how did that inform your adult life? I grew up in Fremont, Michigan, which okay. is a little town an hour north of Grand Rapids, Michigan. And if you could see me now, you say I'm holding up my hand in the shape of a mitten. They can. We have cameras here and here. Yeah, we have. And we're, we're live streaming. You can Michigan. also go to, to go to this one. This is Michigan. And I am from a place right here, kind of by the ring finger. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a small rural community, and it absolutely informed how... I came to this point of my life, which is writer and forensic specialist. How, how, how? And you have 20 seconds so, to get through that whole my thing. My father was a medical examiner for three counties and his office was in our home. Okay. And so I grew up in death investigation from the time I was just a wee child. What, were you seeing freaky deaky things at yes. home? I did my first case when I was eight. And we have got to move on to the next question. Question number two. You're doing fine. Question number two. What... What is the must-engage media, the book, the movie, the CD, the whatever it is? What is the thing that people must see before they die? Mm, wow, that's a good one. The thing they must see? From your perspective. This is just your personal, die. yeah. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Oh, this is a good one. My mind is racing. Just spit them out, spit them out, and um, then we'll land oh, on. Oh, okay, it doesn't have to be one. It can it be can as many as you want, and then we'll pick one um, out of the hat. Gone with the wind. Okay. Ooh, I got some opinions on that one. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, if they can read, read or see. Anything. Any oh, way to ingest. Well, of course, the Bible. You have okay. to read that, but baby. Cover to cover. Um, they must see the Grand Canyon. I know it's not media, but... That's a good one. That's It's mind-blowing. Yes. Sounds like a cliche, but it's actually no, 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 quite no, no, no. mind-blowing. If you haven't been there, you do not know. <laughs> must go. Three seconds on the clock. Uh, okay, well, we're going to have to we're gonna have to stop there. We got the Bible, we got Gone with the Wind, and we got the Grand Canyon. So. Not a bad triangle. Not a bad, okay. not a bad set of recommendations. Next question. You ready? Yes. Uh, purest joy. What is your purest joy? What brings you the most happiness? Being outside. Being in nature. That's it. That's it. Why? Yeah. Let's keep going down there. I grew that. up in nature. Okay. I grew up on a big plot of farmland. My dad was not a farmer, obviously, Mm -hmm. but I grew up having access to so much land and I would spend a lot of my waking hours outside hiking or we had, we had our own private ice rink in the winter. We, we had a garden that we sold vegetables in the summer. Um, I would walk the trails in the fall and the winter. Like I, I just, brothers and sisters, or was it just yeah, you? No, I have okay. two sisters. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Older, younger, younger. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, that's where I f- found my purest joy. Okay. And you still, that's still the yeah. same. I, I get energized from it. Yeah. yeah. How do you feel about the desert out here? I mean, if you're used I love to, the okay. Desert. What do you, oh, time's up. Sorry. I'd love to ask follow-up questions, but that's not an option. Okay. Next question. What gets under your skin? What do you despise more than anything else? Human depravity. Whoa. Just a light little topic. Yeah. <laughs> now you have uh, 50 so seconds remaining. To, on yeah. <laughs> what can one say about human depravity? Um, 
Well, of course, with human depravity comes so many offshoots. Mm -hmm. So I despise human depravity, and yet it's a part of all of us that we are always fighting Mm -hmm. against and fighting for goodness in ourselves um, and and hopefully in others and in the world and the healing of that. I don't know which direction to go from there, but yeah. Depravity is a big... Big can of worms. It's huge. There's no way to to go light after that <laughs> Just one. Just unpacked that, baby. You know we're coming back to it. Oh, yeah. The, the, the minute's up, but we're coming back to mm-hmm. depravity. Everything goes back to that. All right. You ready for the next question? The next and final question. Uh, not of this entire interview. You're not, you're not done after oh, this. Um, next and final question in the five and five. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your advice for beginners? Like you've never had to answer that question of before. Beginner writers or beginner, beginner, yeah, beginner, beginner writers, creators. Beginner, yeah. <clears throat> I have a lot of advice on this subject. <laughs> I do get asked that a lot. Um, but you know what? The biggest thing is perseverance and patience. Mm-hmm. And that's something you, you can't learn until you go through it. I never thought it would take so long to be in this business to like get somewhere. And I feel like I'm still not there and it's been 16 years and I still feel like I'm treading water a lot. Um, so persistence and patience, just cultivating those virtues is, is really the, the biggest thing. And what if we want it now? That's, that's where you have to cultivate. Cause I did want it. I do want it now. We all want it now. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not, I'm not big on patience. I'm, yeah, I wasn't either. It's not either. fun. Yeah, no, no. All right, you just, you totally nailed five and five. Thank you so much for putting up with that. Let's uh, change gears from interview style to conversation. Uh, we'll, we'll hold off on depravity, but the, the <laughs> so uh, Michigan, growing up, you're living on a farm. Your father is, what was his job again? He, he's, he's a physician, still practicing, and he practiced as the medical examiner for a couple decades. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what, what is that... What does that mean, having a medical examiner in your own house? Is he bringing home bodies or? That happened. Okay. Yeah. Um, There was a hospital nearby with a morgue. So typically that's where the bodies would go. Mm -hmm. But everything else, because the county didn't have, excuse me, a formal medical examiner's office. So records, files, all the business stuff of the office and then also you have to keep things with bodies like you have to keep tissue samples and you have Mm -hmm. to keep blood samples and there's certain bodily things sometimes larger bones or pieces of an arm or whatever that you have to store for a while especially if there's uh if the case is in question Mm -hmm. so all that was stored at the house how much of that can be like like uh blood if you do the whatever number of tests on the blood, mm-hmm. how much of that can just be archived and how much do you need to have a frozen sample for the rest of time if it's ever reopened? Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm trying to think about he, how to think about all this because yeah, it's no, not what I think about ever. Exactly, and he did. Um, he always kept, I believe, three sets because there's there's times when labs will like not process it correctly or lose it. Mm-hmm these things happen. So I think he kept up to three, three per person, three samples okay. per person. 
Um, the tissue samples, I think only one. And those would be frozen or? Um, kind of. They're on these little wax slides. Mm-hmm. So they're not that big. Okay. Or And some of them are on glass slides. So they're, they're not very. So in long glass, you know, old school, the kind you used to put in, under the microscope. Yeah. The glass yeah, yeah. slide. Yeah. So how much of this, like, how much are you hanging out with him as he's working? Is this? It's always around. I mean, yeah. it's. But are you poking your little head over the counter and asking him questions about what he's working Some, on? Yeah, or? sometimes. And and he's, it's just kind of always there, like the office, the stuff in the basement, the stuff on the kitchen table. Just, he kept the body bags in the truck that we took to school. Like everything's just always yeah. there. And so either you're, after a while it just becomes commonplace. Yeah. yeah and you're just yeah. kind of doing your own kid thing and not really thinking about it. But then there were a lot of times when, He's very much a teacher, so there were a lot of teaching lessons. So, you know, there's the time where he brought home the black lungs mm-hmm. of a guy who had just died because of lung cancer because he smoked. So, hey, kids, this let me show you happens. these lungs. This is what happens when you smoke. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, you get lung cancer. This is what it looks like. This is what a healthy lung looks like versus a sick lung. What about your friends? I mean, when you have when you have your buddies over for a sleepover or something on the weekend, how does it, does it bleed over into your childhood relationships at all? <laughs> it did, <laughs> yeah. Um, I was always kind of embarrassed of that and like scared that my friends would find out because it wasn't like CSI stuff was not cool back then like it is now. Yeah, you yeah. Know? I'm always like, where was Abby from NCIS when I was a kid? Like, we would have been buddies. Um, but but ironically, my friends all thought it was pretty cool. I don't remember them ever thinking, oh, that's weird or that's gross or being teased about it. They thought it was, they were really curious, super curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you a girly girl or like a Barbie car? Oh, yeah, I had a Barbie. My Barbie had a body bag, though. Okay. (laughs) Is it like a Ziploc bag? No, no, no. It was a real body bag. They made a, 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 a mortician Barbie? No, 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 no. This was our own version. So, okay, look, yeah. okay, you're going to have to break it down because this is not the childhood I had at all. We are far so, off my experiential map. Off the map. Okay, so we had Barbies, normal mm-hmm. normal Barbies. And one day a body bag vendor showed up at the house because, again, we're the office, mm-hmm. and he had samples. So the samples were about the size of a Barbie so they were real body bag material with zippers. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so he brought them and then left them. So this wasn't from Mattel. This is okay. This is not from Mattel. Although maybe somebody should talk to them. Like, see, I think we're Barbie. sitting on a on a million dollar idea right now. Me too. I do too. Uh, so my dad was like, "Hey, girls, you know, I think we might have actually seen it and sort of asked if we could have it for the Barbie." I bet the the body bag salesman was ecstatic that the little girls were wanting Barbie (laughs) Barbie body bags. He probably ran. He's like, what is this crazy house? (laughs) So then when do you you start writing in high school or is it earlier than then? I always have been a storyteller. I mean, I was was writing before I could write. You know, I was the kid. I was the kid at preschool, kindergarten kid who was grabbing the friends and making up plays and positioning people and having them act and writing, you know, okay, now you say this and you do that. And this is what the story is going to be about. Like before I could even put a pen to paper. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was that kid. When do you start, when do you start getting good though? Like when does it start to click? Am I I good now? (laughs) Oh, come on. You know, you are, you wouldn't be doing it anymore. Come on. Some days I'm like, what am I doing? Um, I, I don't know. I think, 
that's a really good question. I, I know that I got my first actual paid writing job the summer after my freshman year of college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started working for our hometown newspaper. Oh, yeah. What, what was your, what was your beat? Okay, my first story mm-hmm. was about a death of a toddler in a lake. Really? Mm-hmm. What, what? So do tell, do tell. <laughs> I, I don't know that there was much to tell. It was just kind of reporting, sort of who this person was and what happened and where the you know who, what, where, when, why, yeah, how yeah, 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 yeah. stuff. It was not a very long article. I think there was a couple. There were a couple quotes from the family. Things like make. We want to tell everybody, please watch your children around the lake kind of quotes. Don't let this happen to your kid. So Now, are you already getting into, you're, you're well into mystery and crime novels at that point. No. Not yet. Really? I, no. When did that hit? When did that bug bite? This is a very interesting thing. So I, I did not connect my background, my mm-hmm. forensic background to my writing for a very long time. It took a long time for me to sort of connect those dots and and see that this was my brand, I guess. Was so. it just the forensic stuff or was there the whole like I'm gonna write from another perspective? Like were you were you denying your own truth at all? Or was it just the forensic stuff really hadn't struck a nerve yeah. yet? No, I wasn't denying because I look back at some of the things I did wrote write mm-hmm. and some of them did have touches of my childhood stories in them. So I wasn't denying it but as far as I didn't realize until late that I actually had all this forensic knowledge. Oh yeah. Cause you grow up in it. So yeah. you're like, this is just normal. This is the most yeah. mundane stuff in, in, in the world. It literally was an eye opening moment that somebody else helped me point out. And I was mm. like, wait a minute. Oh, wait, I do know all this stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, my yeah. goodness. How did I? Oh yeah. It, yeah. So that's why it took me a while <laughs> to get there. This was, yeah. So when did you get? How old were you when when the when that when the the, like, the folds came together? I know, like Was not it, like probably about ten to twelve years ago, like not that long ago. Okay, I mean in in writer's world terms. Does your writing get better at that point? Like, do you see a noticeable spike, or is it just kind of a, a lane shift for you? It became much more focused. Okay, it became much more focused. And how'd that affect your career? Yeah, total, that was a total turning point. Okay, okay. Yeah. Let's, let's yeah. talk about that yeah. for a minute Because, then. I mean, you come to L.A. and you say, I'm going to be, a, I'm a writer. I'm going to, I mean, you have all these things you're writing and you're trying to figure out where do I fit into this landscape? Because it's so competitive. It's hyper competitive and you need to do something to stand out. And so it, it was in having this discovery of forensics that I was like, oh, yeah, this is, wait, I I know all this stuff. This is where yeah. I really stand out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's when everything, you know, I remember I had mentors who were saying, you need to find your brand. How, how is your agent or your manager, how are they going to market you? How are you going to be marketed that's, in this landscape? I know I'm going to have to get over this, but person to person, I hate calling people brands. I know. Like I how, how, how much more could you write off a human heart than to just be like, you're a Nike logo? I know. And actually, I've had to struggle with it again lately because I'm the same way. I, I'm like, but I love story. I just, whether it's, because my very first film that I did was a documentary about a fine artist. Yes, I saw the trailer Thank for that. You. I didn't see the film, but uh, <clears throat> I, wa- I do want to see it. It's, it's that experience was so pivotal to me because he taught me as an artist so many things. Plus his artwork is amazing. The paintings were good. So good. So good. So that I just, 
that's completely different than crime. That there's nothing to do yeah, with forensics. Yeah. But I, it was a beautiful story. So I, I've struggled a lot from that point until now to to embrace having a brand and being that brand. I know you just got to <laughs> swallow it and brand yourself. I, I, I am. I am aware. I'm aware, and I'm trying to. I'm trying to uh, nut up or shut up. I guess is what <laughs> they say. There is another trailer on your site. We'll get to that in a little bit. I, I want to keep going down this this rabbit hole of of dastardly deeds. Oh my! Depravity time. Human depravity. Human. Can we can we unpack that one? There's a lot there. <coughs> oh my goodness, so much. Mm-hmm. Why I think human depravity is so interesting is because that is the core of storytelling, or maybe it's vice versa. The core of storytelling is about human depravity. Mm-hmm. Different levels of it, very obviously. Um, especially crime storytelling. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all over there. Is I mean, you can go anywhere from your cozy mysteries, which are lighter human depravity, to your super super dark, you know, Dexter. Kind I feel of. like the idea of light human depravity. Yeah, that's, me too. That's, one of my that's where favorites. I spend my yeah. my weekend. It's light human depravity. Light, light human depravity. <clears throat> um, as a, I'll just say, as a crime writer. Mm-hmm. Every story starts with what I call the case file. I always build my case file first. Okay. So can you back up and define a case yeah, file? So I mean, obviously, I know this is for right for the everyone else out there. Yeah. Um, so if I'm a detective, like a real detective or FBI agent or whatever investigator, I am, and I am investigating a crime. I I have a case file, and in that case file is everything to do with that crime, Mm -hmm. Um, any witnesses, any suspects, any evidence. So that's where I, I I can't write about something until I know the entirety of that world. Okay. So I figure out the entire case first, who's involved, what kind of evidence will be traced. Now is the case already solved when you get to this or do you just Um, start doodling out? Like it would be neat if somebody was killed this way, or it would be neat if, it's the what if. It starts they found the out if. about the death yeah. at this moment in their life and nobody else was the, or whatever it mm-hmm. is. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. It's the what if. It's okay. the what if. Um, um, and, or a lot of times I'll, I'll just take things from, from real life, like real life cases and then okay. turn them or twist them. or. Um, so everything, every criminal acts out of human depravity in terms of they they haven't tamed that depravity or they haven't uh, tamed the right word um overcome overcome elevated domesticated elevated, yeah. tamed all of From those that urge whatever that urge is whatever that temptation is yeah they don't they haven't they've given in to that temptation whether it's lust or rage or greed, which it's really all of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. So that's fascinating to me. Is what makes a person? How does a person go down that path and then get to the point where they they commit something like that? It, that's what's interesting. You reckon people think. <clears throat> That people feel that people think in the moment that they're doing evil deeds, 
Or do right. you reckon that people think that what they're doing is the right thing to do in that moment, whether it's fueled by rage or fueled by lust or fueled by greed, that I, they think that this is a, a logical yeah. choice of uh, choice of action? I think that because they've ignored their conscience for so long that they think they are doing the the right thing or a logical thing. Now here's they've I, stopped listening to that voice for so long. I can I disagree with you in yeah. my own vanity. Um, I don't anything evil I've done, anything hurtful I've done has never. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't feel like I was ignoring my conscience. I feel like I like the. <coughs> the desire to engage in that in whatever the behavior was like the demand for it was so overwhelmingly loud. I couldn't even hear the conscience anymore. Mm. It wasn't like a, like a, well, I give up on the right thing at this point. It was, there was no way to do anything but this thing. Mm -hmm. Not that like, I haven't killed anyone. This isn't, (laughs) this sounds like I'm trying to talk around (laughs) (laughs) multiple homicides, (laughs) but whatever it was, whether it's, whether it's, even just you know being being kind of a dick to someone else, right. it it never felt like well you know it never felt like I was in conflict with my conscience. It felt like there was that that there was no other option than that thing in the moment. So so you so in those maybe moments, I'm pure evil. <laughs> no, so in those moments, mm-hmm. you you're saying you didn't hear the the conscience the voice. At not all. not at all. Oh, not yeah. not in the slightest. Not in the right. slightest. It was it was, and if I did hear it, it was an absurd voice. It was right. One, just for ridicule and to be ignored. It, there was no logic to what it was saying at right. all, even if it was correct, that's, and even if I saw it as correct after the fact. That's interesting. You know, that, I believe that also happens. Uh, and I think, oh, of, of course, also. I mean, I think that's completely plausible. You want to change gears? Sure. We got gears to change. We got too many sure. gears today. I know. And I've got too many questions. Okay. Oh, I got a quick question before we change gears too much. Gone with the Wind. Good Lord. Good Lord. What a what a weird film. I just saw it for the first time what? in the last month. Weird. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. So it's a little bit fresh in my mind. Good. Uh kind of what what? That is a weird movie. Tell me about that. Why why is it weird to you? Um okay. Well, okay. I know it was made in a different era, mm-hmm. but I have never seen a film like any film I see that is about slavery that was made in the last 20 years right. is all about how slavery was horrible. Gone with the Wind is about how you can get stanky rich off of owning <laughs> slaves and how great it is to be a plantation owner. The first half of that movie <laughs> is just like a, a public service announcement for slave ownership. <laughs> it's funny that you are viewing it with that lens because the first time I saw it was 15 mm-hmm. and I was viewing it with the 15-year-old girl. I love Scarlett O'Hara and Melanie Lens. And I love their dresses and Southern culture. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so, it's such a relic of a different era. It's mm-hmm. really, it is not of the of the moment. Like, if you watch a Billy Wilder movie, mm-hmm. it still feels kind of on the edge. Like, his stuff mm-hmm. feels new today. Gone with the Wind does not feel new today. Second, so the first half of the movie, I was just like, oh my God, this is such an ad for slavery. Second half of the movie, I'm thinking like, this is Scarlett O'Hara. She's really getting under my skin. She's... Yeah, she should. And then she doesn't win. I know. Four hours of investment in Scarlett O'Hara. And yeah, she takes a massive L at the end of that film. Uh Uh-huh. 
it was just a weird movie. It is nobody would make a four hour ad for slavery with a sad ending at this point <laughs> in Hollywood. It's it's so far off the map of what we're doing now. It is, but I love it because you want to talk about human depravity. Yeah. There it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Miss Scarlet. Yeah. Oh, greed. Yeah. Oh, she's so got it. So much greed. And she's really the only one, because if you look at the other characters, like Ashley and Melanie, and even her family, mm-hmm. they are not about greed at all. They're about humanity and compassion. And she does not give up. She does not. <laughs> she, she just no. wants it her way, and she, she wants does. it yesterday. Yep. And that's, yeah, I know. And that is the last line of that film. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. There's nothing after that. Yes. What a, what a like apocalyptic ending to a story. Uh, I know. <laughs> it's brilliant. Brilliant right. lesson in human depravity. And she pays for it all the way Oh, along. she pays. She yeah. pays. She's not rewarded for her bad behavior. No, no. She, she takes L's in that movie. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Okay, um, anyway. <laughs> let's talk about hope and healing. That's, that's yeah. the theme of the day. And that's what you have to bring to the world. Let's talk about... Dun, 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 faith-based cinema. <laughs> Do we want theme music for faith-based cinema? <laughs> I'm going to pick one because like why not? the are alive. I don't know. <laughs> oh, oops. You know what I forgot to do is turn on the sound. Here we go. Here we Yo, it is time for our chitty chat on faith-based filmmaking. <laughs> is that enough music? I love it. Like a 70s font. All right, I think we're in, we're in the segment now. That was that was uh, beautiful. So uh, you make faith based movies, as I understand. I've seen your other trailer. I saw your your art mm-hmm. documentary, but then you have another trailer out. Can you right. introduce that project a little bit? Just the yes, the elevator pitch. Up. Let's I back up. Made Sorry, I'm... one faith based movie. <laughs> 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 and we'll talk about how that came about. Um, Yes. So that's good news because that can, we can focus. Yeah. Yeah. So my film, God mm-hmm. Bless the Broken Road, will be in theater September 21st. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and you're a writer on this? Any I other? wrote it. I co-wrote it with the director. Okay. Yes. Any other credits or is that? Oh, oh that's, that's my credit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think I was an extra in one scene. Yeah. Okay. They drug me in. But anyway. <laughs> um. And then I wrote the novel that goes along with the, f- the film. So we novelized the book after the film was made. Okay, okay. So it was actually the reverse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's funny because the book came out last year, last June, mm-hmm. and now the film's coming out. So like a year later, so now it kind of looks like the book came first. That's that synergy, <laughs> actually baby. actually not true. We wrote the film first. How long did the book take? So you write the screenplay, but how long did it take to convert that into a book? Really fast, because I had a tight deadline. We were in the middle of filming in April and May of 2016, and my agent said, hey, we're going to try to pitch this as a novel. So Mm -hmm. we pitched it, and she got three offers. We picked one, and then they're like, we need this by the end of August, and it was like the end of May. That's quite a turnaround. So, but I mean, you, you yeah. were familiar with the story. You knew where yeah, the thing was, was going. You didn't have to do the yeah, no. the basic work. No. So that helped a lot. Yeah. I had a pretty decent outline. <laughs> <laughs> and the film was shooting while you were writing or? Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. really tight. Were you writing on set or? Oh, no. The film, the script is already done. The script is done. But yeah. I mean, are you doing the novelization? Like, are you on yes. location and kind of like yes. going between the set and your own yes, typewriter? Correct. Which was actually awesome because 
you know, you, you, you have this vision in your head of what you think things should look like, but then I could go and see the set and I could talk to the actors and I could see how they were bringing out the characters and they brought out so many things that I was able to put into the book. And I interviewed each one of them as well on what they thought about the characters. Brilliant. And then I could bring that into the novel. Mm -hmm. So it actually was a huge blessing to, to be on set while writing the novel. It made it a better novel, I think. Um, I, I watched the trailer. It's a, it's up on your website for those who want to mm-hmm. see it. It's kind of ambiguous. Can you tell me, like, could you just give us the log line of the film so yeah. we know what we're getting into? So it's what it's really about is a woman, a young woman, young mm-hmm. American woman who has lost her husband in the Afghanistan war. Mm-hmm. And they have a little daughter. Now she's left to raise this daughter on her own. And okay. she's totally losing it. Okay. Um, so it's really about her journey of coming back to herself, her faith, her family, her community, her daughter. She's even blowing it with her daughter. So she's just really in a bad spot. Now, where's the daughter? I mean, it's a faith-based film. Is the daughter a, a believer, a non-believer? What, what, is she in the terrible twos or the terrible <laughs> tweens or the terrible no, she's, 20s? She's eight or nine. Okay. <clears throat> and she has a childlike faith is what I would okay, say. Okay, okay, okay. I would say I would call her... She goes to church. She goes to Sunday school. She has a childlike faith. She has this plant that she just believes is going to grow. Like she just has this amazing belief that yeah. things are going to get better. So that's where she's at. You agree with her? Yeah, I'm like I'm more like her. Okay. And what's is the mom's not doing? Is she doing the thing like why would God let this happen? Oh yeah, of course. Okay. Because she's lost her husband and you know she thought her life was perfect she had everything Mm -hmm. the husband the house the kid the job the you know she was on the golden road the golden ticket and then it just all came crashing down and i think that's where a lot of us find ourselves at different points in our life where we think life we're on this one path and we think oh this is great and we think we know where we're going Mm -hmm. and then we just get sideswiped by some event some tragedy yeah and then all of a sudden we're like what now, yeah, I, I, I thought, why would you do this? Have and you we ever have this been... real anger towards God, and that's real. Have you been t-boned like that? Oh yes, <laughs> oh yes. How oh, so? Yeah. What? Yeah. Um. Uh. My husband and I have not been able to have children. That's a big. That's a big one. And so we've been dealing with infertility for. A good half of our marriage. That's that's a, that's a that's a big one. It's huge, and the <clears throat> it's one of those that that the knife can't stop turning no. because as if you if it ever comes up outside of your marriage, the first question I imagine is so why not? AKA whose fault is it? Right, and it's like that knife just is going to be turned and turned and turned every. Let me put this knife in you. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> when you know, I, I, I think the curiosity is understandable, but the mechanics of it don't really change the situation, do they? Right, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. And then the other question that always comes up is, well, why don't you just do this or that? You know, they have an immediate solution for you mm-hmm. because we live in a culture where we are used to just having what we want when we want it, and yeah. well, you can just do that or you can just do that. Well. Those options aren't, number one, aren't always easy. Number two, aren't always possible. Number three, aren't always what is best for that marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Or 
so there's a lot of layers to this. It's not just like, oh, you can't have a Milky Way. I'll just go have a Snickers. Yeah. Uh, so did you know before you got married that this would be, I mean, was there any evidence of? No. Okay. None. So we were, you know, happily wandering along in our marriage. And yep, then yep, yep, gearing six up. Six years in. Let's give it what? a shot. Yeah. And then the, the, yeah. the record scratch needle <laughs> sound effect. Yeah. When the doctor says. Yeah. So how do you process? How long have you been married now? Six years in that you get the news. We've been married 23 years. That's a very long time. Yeah. That's like a freaking over two decades. You're almost at a quarter of a century. It's crazy. That's a... it's been amazing. How do you process it? That's a good 17 years of, like, of understanding and, and yeah, working. Working. That's like five podcasts worth. Um, every every little part of the journey is a different part of the journey. Mm-hmm. I don't I know that sounds yeah, yeah. kind of trite. But thankfully, you're not given everything at once. You know, you take it day by day and, yeah. and you explore Every we explore where you're at, what you need to, and then you go to the next step and the next step, and it's not always pretty. No, 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 no. And it's it's all the stages of grief, just like Amber in the film. You know, mm-hmm. she's going through all these stages of grief: the anger, the depression, the guilt, the rage, the blaming. You know, there's yep, a lot of blaming. Yep, um, yep, yep. yep. <clears throat> blaming's blaming's easy though. I mean, like, there's a reason it happens so much is because it's really like a quick, right? Quick avenue to to get out of whatever pain you're yeah. in. Exactly. And, um, and then finally, you know, there is acceptance and peace and, um, that's, I mean, do you, do you ever, did you get to the point? I don't, I don't, I don't know you too well. So this question might be a little abstract, but do you get to the point where the, the acceptance has permanence? I mean, there, there have been some moments in the, in my life where I've been T-boned, um, and, and sometimes they like when it happens, it feels raw every day. And then after a while, it might be raw every month or so. And then after longer than that, it only like it'll only feel raw when I find myself in a semi-similar situation. Um, did you ever find permanence? Like, have you ever gotten to a point where you're like, okay, I am good with this? Right. I think what you just described is the perfect description because I think now, seventeen years in. Mm-hmm. I'm to the point, the the final point where you are, uh, you're mostly fine. And I'm very much at peace. I've never mm-hmm. regretted any decision or anything we've done along the path. I've kind of always had this really perfect peace, but that doesn't take away the sadness or the burden. No, 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 no. I'm not right? saying that the sadness right, right. is gone. I'm just saying that you can feel. Absolutely. You can feel like you're, you're existing. Absolutely. That, that your existence isn't compromised by this other, by this oh, outside yes. pain that you weren't yes. asking for. Yeah. I think all the time and I don't expect that's ever going to go away. So I mm-hmm. think first of all, realizing and accepting that. And I mean, I think that's what makes us human. Like it would be awful if, I mean, we are designed to procreate. People. Yeah. Oh, oh no. It's so, like, if we don't do that, right. that's, that's our primary function right, when, right. when we exist is to make more of us. Right. So it's good that, uh, that some of that pain still exists. Yeah. Or yeah. I might be a robot. Yeah. 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 Like yeah, yeah. You would give up a bit of your I humanity if you, yeah. <laughs> if you said goodbye to that, to right. that desire. So having that humanity still intact, I think is a good thing. But it's also a very hard thing yeah. when it happens. Yeah, yeah. So, but 
17, 23 years in total, 17 years of processing this, you must have a bit of an ally in your husband. I mean... Oh, yeah. We have been on... I mean, this is a grace. We have been on the same page the entire time. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily always in the same emotional Oh, spots. yeah, yeah, That's not possible. Oh, but God, logistically, right? two people a ma- can... A miracle. Yeah. But we've always... We have a very great marriage and a very open communication. So, thankfully, we've always been... In terms of decision-making... We've always been on the same page. Okay. So that's amazing. <laughs> so you got this. How old were you when? I'm, I'm, we're not trying to, we don't, we'll, we can skip the, how, how, we'll just call it 23 years. I'm wondering uh-huh. if you knew each other in high school. Like, yeah, is we this... were 12 when we got married, right? Okay, oh, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering, like, if it, was this the first boyfriend? The first. No, no. Not okay. No. Okay. Mm-mm. I think that's that's the yeah. that's the meaningful question behind yeah. the numeric questions that, that yeah, we get no, there eventually. We had, um, yeah, we weren't. And here's something that's on my mind. So you you grew up. I mean, I imagine you grew up looking forward to kids. Is that like as a kid you were? Like, sure. Yeah, I was like the mom. I was like the babysitter of the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. I was like the cool babysitter. So yeah, you, I've always loved kids. You've got this this vessel full of love that you're growing up with, and you're like right. eagerly Where anticipating the day when you can pass it on to your your progeny. Right. Where have you been putting that that love since then? Like what what <sighs> do you do with that? Question. It's kind of a surplus. I mean, you have to just keep putting it out there. I think it shows up in all different ways. I don't know that I purposefully thought, like, that's a great analogy, but I don't know that I ever purposely thought, I'm going to put the vessel here now or yeah. here. It's like, um, but looking back, you know, do you, do you feel like a, a maternal love for uh, um, non-traditional things? <laughs> Oh, I'll never. That's interesting. I'll never be a mom, and I'll never not be a mom. Right. So that's what I'm trying to get right, at here. Right. Is like I'm trying to see it through the eyes of someone right. who's not a mom. Right. Uh, you put it in other people. You put it in your family and your friends. And mm-hmm. I put a lot of it into my work and into the people in this industry. Like I really feel that being here is a mission of love, and that it's not just about writing. It's not just about storytelling. It's about loving the people who are here and being in community with the people who are here. Yeah. And that takes a great effort. Building relationships takes a great effort. So in a lot of ways, I look down the path and I say, we've had all this time and this energy that we could pour into people here that we wouldn't have had if we had a bunch of kids running around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not that one is better than no, the other. No, 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 no. I'm not saying we're not trying to like we're not doing a sales pitch here for the listeners of of a life path. Try childlessness. No, no. I'm just trying to understand. Like I'm just trying to you know feel how yeah. your heart moved through those those 17 years. So I don't. I hope it didn't ever close because we've always tried to keep an open house. Yeah. 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 So. Does God sit with you through this? Like, how how oh, does that conversation yeah. go? Couldn't do it without faith, for okay. sure. Yeah. Let's, although, let's talk a little bit more. Although, yeah, I mean, definitely. It's Again, it's like, this was such a perfect script to write because <clears throat> it's, it, for anybody who's been through a, a, a T-bone, a hardship, mm-hmm. it's like you go through, whether you have faith or not, you're going to be putting those emotions somewhere. Yeah. So... Yeah. Where are you going to put them that make, you know, where are you putting them? So I'm glad I had a framework Mm -hmm. of faith to put them in, or I might have become more depraved. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'd be tempted to become more depraved. Was was um, there an, a nadir when the the depravity spoke to you when the you heard the call away from from love? Wait, say that again. It was there a nadir like the the valley the the bottoming out where the, the voice of of depravity was was loud and clear. I think it's like. Um, Sure. There were moments of that. Okay. Definitely moments of anger. Definitely moments of walking away from the church. And Amber does that in our film. She okay. walks right away from it. Um, that anger, man. Though, like, what do you? There's no thing. There's no specific like. Right. Like you can, if somebody walks up to you and punches you in the face, you can be angry at that person for <laughs> punching you in the face. But when it's just this other thing, like right. the anger can't go in one direction. It can only go in all directions. Right. right. Like her husband being killed in Afghanistan. Like you can be angry at maybe the person who killed them or the war or whatever, yeah. but that's such a loose entity. It's nebulous yeah. at best. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's uh, there's always those dark valleys. That question here's one of the, I got a lot of thoughts on on uh, faith based film. Yeah, because me too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you for, fair warning. It's it's because I don't feel like I'm a fan of it. Right. I feel like. Okay, I think I feel like there's a lot of really good stuff in that that big old book that we all know and love. Right, right. And I don't know that it always translates well to cinema, especially when they translate it with like a jackhammer instead of a a more delicate instrument. Agreed. Agreed Um, completely. Um, I never thought I would write a faith-based film. I never mm -hmm. thought I would be a part of this because I feel the same that you do. I've been in the community of faith-based filmmakers for a very long time and I have very good friends who... How did uh, you land in that community? Oh, uh, because I'm a faith-based person and okay. so, you know, you hang out with the people and yeah, yeah, they're yeah. creative and you, yeah. Um, and so I've been a part of the conversation and the community mm-hmm. for a very long time. And so I've been having this com- this conversation for a very long time as well. Um, and I never, pers- and this is no judgment uh, towards it, but I've never personally felt I ever wanted to create this kind of film because, again, my passion for forensics and crime and mystery, and, yeah. and that's just where my head goes. I'm more scientific-minded that way. Um, and also... Um, you're not, you're not on trial. Um, uh, yeah, my, my, my wife is, uh, a devout and she's a beautiful singer, but she never heard the call to sing for the church. Right. It just never, yeah. never was the thing. Same thing. Same so thing. Yeah. it's okay. You're not, no, you, no. you're not on trial. No, just kind of explaining the background. Um, and so when, um, the director approached me, and this is a director who's done a lot of faith-based work um, and whose story sensibility I really trust, when he said, hey, I have this idea, and he kind of pitched me loosely what he was thinking, do you want to write this with me? Mm-hmm. I said, yes, but... Full disclosure. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great premise for a story, but we're going to do it better. 
We're going mm-hmm. to do it differently if I come on board. And you know that about me because I'd been in conversations with yeah, him about yeah, this yeah, before. Yeah. We're so you weren't to, T-boning him no, in this moment. No, not at all. Knew, I'm like, you know me. We're yeah. going to do this better. We're going to make a good story first. Yep, yep, yep. And so I hope that's what we've done. Um, How are you feeling on it? Uh, screenplay, a book, and a seen it. feature I, in. Yeah. You feeling I, good on it? I've seen it. I've read the book. Um, I do like it a lot. Okay. I think, and this is this is a more lengthy conversation than we can do right now because it has to do with how, the politics of how films get made. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You yeah. understand? Oh and, no, nobody ever gets um, their own way completely. Right. Like it's there's be my way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so. I got most of my way. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that the jackhammer probably did come out a little bit here okay. and there, and um. That's just what happens yeah. sometimes. And I think... And so I'm not asking you to trash the... No, no, I love the film. I love okay. it. I love not, it. I'm not digging for dirt. I love it. And like ever, it's it's got a great story and it's very heartfelt. It is actually a very good story mm-hmm. as well. I just, like you, think that there are times when we don't... It's like, and I forget, this is terrible that I can't remember this. It's like, let's preach the gospel and if we need to, we'll use words. <laughs> Like, so I just think there's too many words sometimes. Yeah. Just yeah. Too many words. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like Mozart and Amadeus. Too yep. many notes. Too many notes. <laughs> You're making the king yawn. Yeah. Exactly. I, I don't disagree with that. And it, the reason I'm interested in all this is because I haven't, I haven't done the deep dive on the Bible yet. I just started mm-hmm. the cover to cover experience. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, it's freaking blowing my mind <laughs> it's such a good book it's so well written the stories in it are so beautiful and graphic and graphic and <laughs> complicated and romantic and they're just it's it's a really good book yeah. you heard it here first folks right. the bible is good a good book is a good book <laughs> but the thing that's kind of blowing my mind is that there's I feel like there are so many people standing in front of the Bible saying how good it is that everybody's like, I don't even want to look at it because it, you know, it's it like the proselytizing gets in the way of spreading the message sometimes, yes, <laughs> and yes. that's why I'm kind of I'm kind of interested in faith based film because I want to know I want to talk to people about how we could be improving it and how we could be incorporating these stories into a, a grander picture without. Without, you know, using the jackhammer. Exactly. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, like, first of all, let's look at Jesus. Just calling it out here. Okay. I got some some hot takes on that, fellow. I'm going to let you go first, though. When he told a story, he didn't go back to the Old Testament and retell the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. He told a parable. He told a story. And Mm -hmm. it had to do with farming. A lot of times with farming. Or or. Because farming was hot in those days, so, so all the kids were constantly Just now like organic farming is becoming a thing again. Yeah, so yeah, so he told it in terms of what the what the people understood in their daily lives, and I think mm-hmm. same what we should be doing. Yes, if we're going to make a faith based film, well, let's just let's tell a story um, about, and then pick your topic or your your theme: redemption, uh, love. Uh, healing from a broken road. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, talk about a person who went through an experience and 
how they came out on the other end. Yeah. 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 But you don't, uh, my, yeah, you don't have to quote Mark three twelve in the third act to, to let people know what the, what the metaphor is. Right. It, that's, Right. What do you think about Tyler Perry films, if I may? I love them. Aren't they good? I do. And do you consider those faith based? We're going to take a, like Medea kind of off I the table. Okay, well, I, well, I, I hear you. Just because like there's kind of two Tyler Perry. Yeah. There's two types of Tyler. There's Medea, yeah. and then there's his his more family drama and human yeah. drama. And those always feel like faith based films that strike a bit of a balance that anybody can jump in. Yeah. They, they don't feel like they're sold as faith-based films, mm-hmm. but if you look at the, the way characters handle themselves, they pretty, I'd, I'd say they very much are. Yeah. Listen, yeah. what are your thoughts? Um, I don't know that I've seen as many of those as I have Medea. I haven't Sorry, also. Medea. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I can pivot you may, uh, to a film that I think did it pretty well. Hit recently, me. I can only imagine was a film that came out this year and it's I guess considered a faith faith based film but the story is a father son it's a prodigal son father uh, son coming home to the father father coming home to the son mm-hmm. redemption of their relationship story now it happens to be about it's a true life story about um uh the the son is um the he started a group called Mercy Me which is a very uh, famous christian Rock mm-hmm. group, so it's a, his journey and his relationship with his father. Beautiful film. Can you give me that title one more time? I can only imagine. Cool. I don't think the jackhammer comes out on that film, but because you're dealing with the subject of he is a Christian who is starting a Christian rock band, you know there is that element. That's just who he is. It's just integral to who he is. Yeah, He's yeah, not yeah, quoting yeah. a bunch of verses. And, yeah. Etc. But then the the core of the story is this beautiful redemption story between him and his father, which is universal. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that story. Are you thinking so, to cook more of these? Do you have any ideas for? Are there, has the director talked to you at all? Not- we we haven't talked about that. Um, I've been very focused again. Branding. Going back to that brand. You are not a brand. You are a human being. There are no Uh, brands at this table. I I get I get sick of that idea. But I have been more focused on my crime and mystery in the last couple years since I finished the the book and the film. And you got a novel in that arena coming out in the next couple couple of weeks. weeks. The coroner. What's what's that? Should people read it or should they should they pass it by if they see it on the shelf? Oh my goodness, no. Okay. This is awesome. Yeah, so this is called The Corner, and it's about a woman, Emily, Dr. Emily Hartford. Hey, my sister's name is Emily. I love good name, good name. It is. And basically she's um, estranged from her father, and I'm very big on the prodigal son story like that. I love that story, so I find that theme comes up a lot in my writing. And anyway, she has left home when she was a teenager because of mysterious circumstances surrounding her mother's death, which her father refused to investigate. So she got angry, left, went to Chicago. Now she's graduated. She's gone to med school. She's training to be a surgeon. She gets a call that her dad has suffered a heart attack. So she's called back to her small town where she has to deal with her dad and while she's there, a murder happens, dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. And the local sheriff, who was her former high school sweetheart, draws her in to help investigate the death because her father, who was the medical examiner, obviously is not able to do it. So she gets kind of sucked back into her old life and has to solve this murder and decide 
if is this kind of falls back in love with that again Mm -hmm. and kind of has to face a bunch of demons and so how does it end for the for the listeners who don't have that much free time (laughs) don't tell us those ends in a cliffhanger (laughs) because there's a second one coming out oh is that already outlined and and yeah yeah i'm penning it right now yeah awesome is that what i interrupted you from today yes i was working today on that all right you heard it here first folks it's coming out four hours later than you wanted because (laughs) of this interview so (laughs) now do you know do you know about our little bell Mm -mm. Okay, so this is the Hollywood fishbowl. I guess I should have explained this before we started recording. So when you get staring tired, at it this whole time, when you get tired of talking about whatever we're talking about, then all you need to do is go, and then we pull a new topic from the fishbowl. So I'm going to let you okay. do the first ding, and we're going to position this. So yeah, that's good. Oh, that was weak. That wasn't that any was, better. Yeah, there it there is. That's it the is. one. Now I pull. You pull. And these all come from previous guests. So there might be some that are more burlesque related or nice. background acting related. Yanni or Laurel? Hot take. Was it Lonnie, Yanni or Laurel? I don't even know what this is referring to. <laughs> oh. Dun, 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 dun. What did you got? Improv poetry. No. <laughs> and I'm not a good improver. <laughs> what about a limerick? Can you do a dirty no, limerick? No. I'm terrible with those. Um, uh, where are you from? Michigan. Okay. There was a there was a young woman from Michigan, Michigan who, uh, who whose mother said you have to wash the dish again. <laughs> that. She, she 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 scrubbed and she dried. She tried and she tried she and she tried. granted her mother's wish again. Okay. Next, good job. <laughs> This is my turn. Oh. Uh-oh. Okay, here we go. If you had to live a life as an animal, which animal would you choose and why? Oh, my goodness. What's your spirit animal, I guess, is the the efficient way to ask that one. (laughs) The spirit animal. Oh, I hate to say it. I'd probably... I probably want. I probably be a dog because I'd want a pampered life, and I'm a loyal person. And mm-hmm. yeah. Well, why would you hate to say no, it? No, no, That's your spirit common. animal. You should common. own that. Come on, place. You know. Come on, you can own your spirit animal. Right. You can enjoy that. Uh, me? Oh no! Oh, ding oh. ding ding! I don't. Even, who cares what my spirit animal is? Oh, I'm sorry. You go. No, tell me. I no, 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 no. I, I, I guarantee you. I, I don't even think about oh, that stuff. I don't either. I don't like what's this. I was on set one day, and this I'm girl said, "Cleopatra is my spirit animal." Oh, and that stuck with me. Awesome. What have you got? What okay, have you got? I got. I got. I got. Ooh, I got a lot. What'd you get? Would you prefer to be a member of Ghostbusters or the Three Amigos? Or the Breakfast Club. Hard-hitting journalism here on the Hollywood Fishbowl. Would you rather be a member of the Ghostbusters, the Breakfast Club, and what was the other one? The Three Amigos. The three Amigos. And why? And why? Go. Oh, me? Oh, me? Ghostbusters. Jeez. Oh. No questions. Okay. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, 100%. That would be awesome. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to go with the Three Amigos, because, again, I like to be outside. I like humor. Mm-hmm. It, I'd always be laughing. And, um, you know, tacos all the time. Who was the third one? Steve Martin, Martin Short. And, and was it Chevy? Chevy Chase. Okay. Okay. Of, your, of those three, who's, who's your guy? Oh, boy. 
It's probably it's okay. So oh come Steve on, Steve or, or Chevy? Chevy. Um, yeah, I think probably Steve Martin. That's the right answer. Okay. He's a jazz player, and I love that. <laughs> Sorry, that one. What's the, oh, I love this one. What's something you judge others on, even though you know it kind of makes you a bad person? <laughs> even though I know, kind of know it makes me a bad person? Yeah. Um, probably like, like tidy, like being tidy and neat. Wait, so you judge other people on being tidy or if not, not being tidy? not being tidy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yo, welcome to the house. Judge, oh, judge away. I'm, I'm an open book. So fire fire your shots. Yeah, I barely, I barely stayed. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Are you neat and tidy? Uh, yeah. Oh, if you want, you can always ding it. If you ding it, then we're done. Whatever we're talking about is over. Okay. If I'm in the middle of a question, you don't want to answer. You just tap that thing. All right. That's well. We'll move on. Okay. Okay. Please. <coughs> Excuse me. Ooh, nice. Teeny tiny handwriting. What is the most trouble you endured with your parents? Oh, uh, were you a naughty little kid? I think I might have. Um, the most trouble. I, I'm very strong-willed, mm -hmm. so I think it was like trouble from zero to eighteen. Okay. When did you get? Did you sixteen? You started driving. Oh yeah, on the day. Yep. Okay. Oh yeah. And then see you again after that. Later. Back. With my friends. What yep. was your first car? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It was a big old Pontiac. Um, yeah, it was a Pontiac in Michigan. How'd that happen? Oh yeah, it just floated down the road. It got like two. <laughs> miles for the gallon yeah but they were two good miles <laughs> two they were good awesome smooth miles yeah and i could fit like 200 of my closest friends in it <laughs> were you popular were you a cool kid in school mm -mm. then how'd you have 200 friends mm -mm. just normal okay just normal. how about you trouble trouble oh I, I've, I've answered this before i lied about a report card said it didn't it didn't exist, and then my mom found out it existed, and it had a D on it. That's the reason I lied. And I'll tell you what, she was a genius because she she said, "No, I be, I I believe you that that the letter never got home. I believe that that it never landed here. That there was a mistake at the post office, and you didn't intercept the letter. Uh, just look me in the eye and say that entire thing." Oh. So I looked her in the eye. I said it, and she said, "Okay, you can go now." And I thought, like, I got it. I won. I'm out. And I felt guilty for the rest of my life. She totally <laughs> was playing four-dimensional chess, and she owned me in that situation. Brilliant. I've parenting. never been able to shake that feeling of wow. looking her in the eye and bold-faced lying. Wow. That's awesome. Okay. Oh, Selena's... <laughs> Okay, so our our we're we're live right now. Okay, and my little sister, um, excuse me, she reminded me of a, of a follow up story to that. Oh, I love it when she says siblings are watching. You were a genius because you fainted when she started yelling, and she made you soup. So one after that, one time she was yelling at me, and I guess I hadn't eaten that day or whatever, but I got really stressed and I passed out and banged my head on the staircase, and that was the last time she yelled at me in my life. So, hey, wow. kids, if you're listening to this and you want out of trouble, faint. Just faint. Get really sick or faint. Let's, what have we got next? We'll get you a good one. Oh, this one's bigger than average. Ooh. Surviving Hollywood. 
How are you surviving? Like, what, what do you do? How do you not lose your mind? Because here's the reality. I'm six months in and half the time I do feel like I'm losing my mind. The other yeah. half, I feel like I'm finally doing what I'm supposed to be doing with life. Then you're doing it right. How do you, how do you not lose your mind? Like, what, what do you... I literally have a whole lecture on this. How to survive and thrive in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So I'll try Give to, us a tease. I'll get, try to, get, yeah, get some butts in those seats by one. just giving us a little bit of the flavor. Yeah. You don't have so to give us the, the whole hour. This is, this is one... This is something my grandma always used to say. She's like, because again, impatience, right? Mm -hmm. Strong-willed child, impatient. And she would just look at me and like, Jennifer, Rome was not built in a day. Yeah. And I was like, whatever. And then I went to Rome. (laughs) I was like, oh, wow. Rome was not built in a day. But the point being that back to the persistence and the patience Mm -hmm. that this takes an incredible amount of of time and patience and to keep the focus on the main thing. And the main thing is relationship building, obviously perfecting your craft and constantly Mm -hmm. doing that. But, um, and this is part of it too, is finding the right team. So, and that takes and it's time. tough. There's so many people here who are doing cool things and yes. you want to be involved in every cool thing, but not every match seems to be a, right. like there are plenty of things I've wanted to, to hold on to here yeah. in the last six months that drifted away and I have to like, yeah. I'm trying to make myself be okay with it. Yeah. And that's honestly, that's where the branding is a good thing because you can say that doesn't fit in my, ah, yeah. Use it as a bit of armor, a bit of a shield. Yeah. And I just read this amazing book. Oh oh yeah. Self-help books are also really awesome. Um, called the big leap by Gay Mm -hmm. Hendricks. And he talks about how we live in these four different zones. Mm-hmm. And there's the zone of incompetence, the zone of competence, the zone of excellence, and then the zone of genius. So you, my friend, have just stepped into your zone of genius here. You're finally doing what you were made to do. This thing? This, well, All of this. Isn't it? Hollywood stuff. All of this. <clears throat> but so, I mean specifically, like I, the podcast, yes. like this is where I'm at home. That's this, awesome. I'm finally, I'm finally like touching a little bit of divinity with this. This is awesome. I can smell it. I can totally smell it. Anyway. Then, then protect Oh, that. I just I, I just injured my arm patting myself on the back. Hold on. Let me <laughs> stretch that muscle out a bit. But protect that. Yeah. That's your brand. Okay, let's not use the word brand. Let's use I'll, I'll allow it. As long as, as long as we're using the word brand to praise how great I am at things, I'll, I'll, I'll endure. But I like his term zone of genius. Mm-hmm. We, we are in our zone of genius. And so protect that. And anything that falls outside of that, it's okay to let it go. It's okay to let it go. It hurts sometimes. Yeah. It's scary sometimes because you want to do everything and you feel like you're going to miss an opportunity. And, oh, no kidding. Uh, all right. What was Are the point? Oh, yeah. Oh. We move on when We're you think on. the thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this one's stupid. Oh, no. Uh, anti, anti-disestablishmentarianism. <laughs> Tear the institution apart, mate. I think we've got theme music for this even. I'm not sh- we don't. Oh, yeah, it's time for anti, anti disestablishmentarianism. <laughs> There's. Can I get a dictionary, so, please? <laughs> okay. Um, establishmentarianism means that we love the establishment. Disestablishmentarianism means that we don't love it. Anti disestablishmentarianism means that we don't want to tear apart the establishment. Anti anti disestablishmentarianism means that we are against the idea of. Fighting against the destruction of the establishment. <laughs> what sucks about the establishment right now? Oh 
my goodness. I love it. <laughs> it's the music. For those of you who are listening to the live feed of this, tune back in for the actual broadcast because the music rocks. <laughs> um, okay. The establishment in Hollywood. I'm just going to do that one first. Okay. You, because... you do that, and then I'll say that President Trump might not be the best president we've ever had, and then we'll wrap that segment up. Okay. <laughs> Well, with all that, we'll just say kindness. Can we just please infuse a little more kindness? Wherever you stand, just more kindness. But um, Hollywood, I feel like, is under this like amazing shift of establishment is shifting. like It's like quicksand under our feet right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how I feel about that because I was just having a conversation the other day with um, one of my writing I'm in a writer's group that I've been in for like 11 years and we were chatting one of the writers and been on this journey forever. And we said, man, when we came here 12 mm-hmm. or whatever odd years ago, the culture, what we thought we were getting into and how we were going to get into this establishment, there was like a kind of a certain path. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that path just seven years in just crumbled. Mm-hmm. And now the path is like, it's like shifting sand all the time, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we were just kind of lamenting the fact that like, how do we get in, you know, how do we get a more of a foothold into the industry? It's, it's change. What you think is black is white. What you think is a is B and you know, yep. 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 That's all I got to say. (laughs) Faith one day at a time. (laughs) You're making headway though. Like you're not, you're not sitting outside the the party. I guess I feel like I am though, because where I really want to be is television. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, creating shows and working on shows and all that. And but you don't feel like there's a big. I, here's what I'm seeing. I just got here, and it seems to me like Netflix has kind of uh, done pretty well this last year, yeah. and they're they're the model that they seem to be exploring is let's just take the volume that we made last year and multiply that by about 5,000. And then HBO's response is, you think you're going to make the most? (laughs) We're going to make the most. So I kind of, I'm landing, I feel like I'm landing here at this just like colossal explosion of content creation. That that there's a huge, which is weird because before I got here, all I heard about was the, the, um, the segmentation of audiences oh, that you used yes. to have. Uh, if you had, if you had 10 million people tuning in 10 years ago, you're lucky if you have a hundred thousand tuning into your thing. Exactly. So I don't understand how there can be this explosion in content while the audiences seem to be contracting and contracting it at a breakneck pace. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand the business model. I'm assuming it's not sustainable. So I'm going to enjoy <laughs> it as long as I can. Ride that wave. Yeah. All the math looks uh, pretty, pretty dodgy on this one. I think actually what is happening is that places like Netflix, because of their algorithms are able to now, the audience is actually there. They're finding the audiences. Yeah. Yeah. They're finding them. And so I think their content is being more directed towards, uh, it's being, uh, what's the word? I can't think of the word, but it was very directed towards certain audiences. Yeah. Um, but I guess like they know if they, if, if they have a pool of 5,000 who are interested in a, and they have a pool of 5,000 who are interested in B, if they make a show that combines a and B, they're going to get 7,500 probably reliably. And then they can spend that much to retain Mm 7,500 viewers for this much time. It's, data driven 
It's data driven. It's, nothing's more fun than data. Yeah. I don't think President Trump is the best president we've ever had. Let's Next. do one more. Oh, 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 sorry. Oh, oh no, no. Oh, oh, is it your oh. it's your turn? No, 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 no. I'm not gonna I'm I'm a good and honorable host. Oh, excellent. Okay. Let me just pull one out here. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, right now I'm trying to decide, are we gonna go with the close-up camera for that that just exasperation, that complete collapse of eagerness? Or will we go wide? What is the dumbest mistake or the sneakiest thing you've done on set? Dumbest mistake. Okay, I got it. Uh, it's dumbest, dumbest mistake or sneakiest thing you've done on set. Mm-hmm. You got a good one? Um, yeah, it wasn't. Okay, I don't know if this counts for on set, but kind of. So I worked for a couple seasons of Curb Your Enthusiasm in the post-production. Mm-hmm. And... One time, I think it was the first season, I was burning a candle. So I'm not on set because I'm in post-production, right? But I'm we'll, in the we'll, office we'll or let, whatever. We'll, we'll allow it. We'll I let that slide. burning a candle and the window was open and we went out of the room to do something. It was like three of us in the same office room. Mm-hmm. And a paper blew onto the candle and started oh, dude. It, it all on fire. Dude, that is the dumbest thing you've done <laughs> on set. <laughs> I know the paper was going to blow on the candle. Now, now is not the time for excuses. No, no, no. <laughs> Just owning that. When, when, you, when you lose it's the entire post belly. suite, when those hard drives are inflamed. Nobody cares. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, we got it out in time. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad that you yeah. have avoided disaster. Yes. Um, I would love to tell you a story of something stupid I did on set, but I am infallible, so I don't even have a story like that. It's, it's coming. Really, what? It's coming. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I, hubris is for others, not for me. Oh, Are you feeling good? You yeah. mind if we wind down? No, yeah, we're, we're good. All right, then I'm going to cue up the, the closing out music. This has been the Hollywood Fishbowl. I've been Jesse Kester, and I will continue to be Jesse Kester. If you liked what you heard, you can check us out on Instagram and Twitter at HWFishbowl. Perhaps you want to find us on the internet. Great news, we have a website, HollywoodFishbowl.com. But it's not about us. It's about the guest. Where can we find you? that stuff hard. Hit it hard. Hit the oil. I can be found mm-hmm. at jenniferdornbush.com and from that platform you can sign up for my newsletter, my blog, Twitter, YouTube channel. It's all there. And it, I seem to be under the impression that you are launching a new YouTube channel. Like you have the promontory videos. Is that going to keep going? Are we going to see more of that? Not, there's a, quite a few on the site right now. Gimme, gimme, gimme. That's what I was saying when I was watching it was, gimme more. Forensic Fridays. Forensic Fridays.